Hello Waterloo Road fans, it's Tom here, your podcast host, just popping in before we get started to tell you about our Patreon page. Patreon is a subscription service where you can get access to extra content from myself and Luke, including extended versions of all of our interviews, looks back at other school-based shows including Teachers and Britannia High, our looks back at other characters from Waterloo Road, our Waterloo Road Awards... And more recently, we are reading my Waterloo Road fanfic. We have done the two existing chapters. They are available on the Patreon now. And then we will be moving on and writing the rest of the story, which is very, very exciting. So if you would like to see that stuff, all you have to do is go to patreon.com slash Waterloo Road pod. All of the subscription information is there. And as a subscriber, you will get a shout out on this podcast. So thank you to all of our existing subscribers. Thank you to Claudia Graham, to Kirsten, to Lou Parsons, to Georgia Leah, who you can find on Instagram and TikTok as The Avocado Bath. Thank you to Joe Buckle, to Lucy, to Tom Percival, to Natalie, who is at Natalie the Book Reader on Instagram. Thank you to Becky, to Matthew Kumar, to Emily Berry, to Eliza, who is on Instagram at WaterlooXRoad underscore. Thank you to Mel. Thank you to Hannah Louise, who would like to shout out NHS Mental Health Services. And thank you, finally, to Lottie Smith. Your continued support is much appreciated by both of us. Thank you so much for subscribing to the Patreon. And if you listening now would like to join that list, all you have to do, once again, is go to patreon.com slash waterlooroadpod. And now, without any further ado, let's get on with this week's podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of Everything From Nothing, the Waterloo Road podcast. I'm your host and Waterloo Road super fan, Tom Beasley, joined as ever by Luke Stevenson. As we reach nearly, is it a mid-series break if it's only a third of the way through? Well, they have a maths teacher now, so that's why they have third of the series breaks, who weren't capable of <laughs> doing by thirds. Um, yes. But yes, it is. We're we're approaching a part of season finale series. Um, series. I don't Ooh, know, haven't I've done stopped. that in a while. That felt good. <laughs> oh, playing the hits. <laughs> why? Why do these listeners still love us? That's why that early organic banter. We should say if the energy flags at any point, it's because we are recording this in thirty-eight degree heat. Yeah, a little peek behind the microscope. And um, because Tom is a tyrant, he could hear a little bit of the fan, um, which, as we know from background noise, because Tom will stress out about background noise. And then when you listen on a speaker, you can't hear any of it. It's only for people who listen at he- in headphones at a million decibels so they hear background noise. <laughs> I am sat I'm... here, fanless, as as I am every week. Haha. <laughs> um, <laughs> Muscling on through because we had no other time to do this and we care about you, our listeners. Yes. Something like that. So, (laughs) episode nine. We have... um, It starts with Eleanor at the council building. It's I quite like the council building. It feels very, like, sort of evil, but in some ways comforting. (laughs) Maybe this is me as a, as a, like, I spent a year or so as a local news journalist, spent a lot of time in council buildings. 
Yeah, there's like because you have those old fashioned ones, they have the new ones. The new ones aren't particularly nice. No, exactly. And they're very middle of the range, eighties office buildings. Then you have the old ones, which are very lovely but aren't fit for any form of purpose. Yes. Um, yes. So I remember doing once I used to do an element of like council based going into councils as part of my old job. And I remember doing like um, a video where I followed this like uh, social services director around Birmingham Council and they're in the proper old building in the town hall. And it's a labyrinth. It's an absolute. I, I followed him in the morning. And I was like, I don't know where we're going. If you asked me to get back from here, I would die a slow and painful starvation. But we should make this council building probably stop two or three of our, on our great Rochdale tour whenever we do it. Yes, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Eleanor has come to the council building to tell Richard that she wants out of their grubby arrangement. Which they make sound, in the next two episodes, they make this sound so much more grandiose than it was. It sounds like she was <laughs> turning over nuclear codes to the KGB. <laughs> yeah. But there's a brilliant bit where Eleanor says, I didn't know people's jobs would be on the line. The whole point was to get rid of Karen. So that's at least one job you did was on the line. Yeah. Just like you so said, I'm going to, like, in her head, she did the math that it was like, if I undermine this person consistently for weeks, I'll get promoted. <laughs> it's yeah. a flawless logic. Yeah. But politics, Rishi Sunak can attest to that, right? <laughs> or Liz Truss or Penny Morden or Kenny. <laughs> Uh, whichever one, whichever one won, uh, as, as we're recording delete, this. Delete as appropriate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, Eleanor threatens to go and come clean. Um, she says she's, in her words, more involved now, but it's because she's been won over by the inimitable Waterloo Road spirit. Indeed. The spirit that Karen spends the next two episodes trying to crush because the yes. Waterloo Road spirit is currently only embodied by Chris Mead. Yes. And yes. Karen tries to crush it. By Karen's logic in the next two episodes, she should have intervened when Tom was spending time with Sambuca yes. when she was dying. That's the logic that she employs here, that you can't be this yeah. close to a student. Yeah, there's some very questionable like, stuff here. Redo episode six where Tom's like almost drifting off asleep with Sam in his arms and Karen just turns in, slaps him across the face because you'll be suspended for this. <laughs> You're undermining me. <laughs> um, so at the school, uh, Rob has uh, brought Karen a world's best granny badge. Which what I time is this in the morning? Cool. I don't know. It's so dark. It's so <laughs> greatly lit. <laughs> um well, we go to Scout's house where there is bleak Ken Loach lighting scheme. Um, yeah, I bet you gave this scene five stars, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Although I'm actually, glass- I'm actually on the poster for this scene. <laughs> <laughs> they had glass bottles of milk. Yeah. Now, was that was that a bit bougie in 2011? <laughs> uh, I don't. I th- it's less bougie and you more were, like you were from the north in 2011. <laughs> were glass bottles of milk still a thing? Yes, but it's not that they were bougie. It's that like. It's like you haven't modernised, right? I guess it falls yeah. into a similar category to like the lecky meter. Yes. I, 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 by the end of these two episodes, I was convinced that saying lecky was harder than saying electricity. <laughs> maybe it sounds like, maybe it's just that all of these Southern actors stumbling over the word in their accent. <laughs> well, like the, milk, 
The milk thing, though, like realistically, I imagine milk from Tesco is cheaper than milk from a milkman and was then. Yeah, yeah. That's what that's why I thought. Because I was like, why would you get because now you have like a service that does this. Yes. Um, but you pay out extra for it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just couldn't imagine. I, I remember glass milk bottles at my granddad's house, but that would have been the 90s or very uh, the yeah, yeah, yeah. latest early noughties. Yeah. So yeah, Scout, what are you complaining about? <laughs> Clearly well off. Um, yeah, but they yes. have flat screen TVs. <laughs> Sky and Netflix subscription. <laughs> Sorry, I've, got, real... I've, gone, I've gone to full Eleanor. <laughs> the, yeah, there's some real flat screen TV slander coming later in this episode. Yeah, I, I as well, as we get through it, just remember that Eleanor feels like a perfectly reasonable person until she speaks to someone who you know lives in poverty. Yes. And then she just goes off the chain at them every time. Yeah. Like, Eleanor, um, how was your weekend? It was great, it was great. Sorry, sorry, there's a povo over there. I just need to start yelling <laughs> at them. Um, so Scout is like running around the house, like helping Liam get breakfast and stuff um, because... Uh, her mum's still in bed and isn't like getting up and about. Um, so Chris is back at the school after his week's suspension. Um, Karen's getting him to sign a like behaviour code thing. Um, I shall not help children. I shall not help <laughs> yeah. children. And, and so they agree to him having like no secrets from her, whatever. And they agree that he will keep his distance from Scout despite the fact his job requires him to head up the Community Garden Project, which features seven or eight kids, one of whom is Scout. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like, like um, Christine says at the start, goes, don't worry, from now on it's strictly professional. We've watched enough TV and film that I believe if I caught myself saying that at the start of the day out loud, I'd be like, oh, I'm in for something today. I've tempted the <laughs> fate. Like, oh, I'm going to be outrageously unprofessional today. Yeah, it's like, today I'm going to be really productive. And I'll just stop and I'll go, oh, today's a write-off, isn't it? Yeah, I I'm going to do something really unprofessional, like being a teacher who helps a child. Yeah. <laughs> speaking, of, speaking of unprofessional things, sidestep into Tom and Eleanor's storyline. Tom and Eleanor had fiery sex a week ago, left it a week, and then decided to spend the entire day airing their dirty business in front of everybody. Yeah, it, incredibly publicly and obviously. <laughs> There's no hookup culture at this school. And you it's... think Tom would know, because he's had hookup culture with everybody. You would, you would. It's really weird. But so they're having like they've got this like tension between them, and she tells him it was a one-off, and he agrees, and Grantley's overhearing it all. Um and then we meet Keeley, who runs this community center. Um, who immediately flirts with Tom, who flirts back, all in front of the kids. <laughs> yeah, imagine being Keely and being so <laughs> thirsty that you'd just be like, right, you, sir. I wonder if she does this from everybody. Hey, Whose chances are on, on a daily basis, just, oh, hello, <laughs> sir. And great thing, even Keely understands the format of the show because she says, all of this work needs to be done by the end of the day. Yes. No it seems, seems to be an outrageous amount of work for a day. Yeah, yeah. I did a like a charity thing, one of my old jobs where you, you'd have like one paid two two paid charity days or whatever. Yeah. And we did it with one of like the National Trust or something. Part of it was just like, you know, going up to a part of Woodland that you wanted tidied up and it's just basically cutting down trees and dragging them around, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. And we spent a whole day there, about twelve of us, and did made so little progress. Yeah. 
These yeah. these things take a long time. Yeah, I did feel good cutting down a tree though, like a woodsman. <laughs> Is this like that thing where you you want them to set up a place where you can just go and kick doors down? Yes, because I really believe <laughs> I can kick a door down. You want them to set up a place where you could just cut down trees. Waterloo, yeah, that's called the woods, Tom. Yeah. That place exists. Yeah, but you can't go there and just randomly start cutting down trees. In the same way, you can't run down a terrace of houses, kicking all of their doors in. I accept the point. I fear I'm, like, I'm less likely to get caught if I do the tree thing, though, right? Probably, probably. Just really wander out into the woods. <laughs> if any uh, true super fans of the pod want to become a super friend of the pod, you'll let me come around your house and try and kick one of your locked doors through. <laughs> wow, that would be a weird DM for me to get. <laughs> <laughs> Tell Luke to come to this address. We'll, we'll make that a new Patreon tier. <laughs> Pay thirty pounds a month, and Luke will come around and kick your door down. <laughs> Chop down any trees you've been wanting to get rid of. Yeah, be fun. Um, so back at the school, uh, Aiden is asking Jess and Vicky if they're okay. And when he asks them if they're okay, Jess immediately accuses him of trying too hard. Yeah. <laughs> Surely so that's, not- that's, the, that's the bare minimum of trying, is asking, are you okay? Two women yeah. I've impregnated. <laughs> you right. Talk about try hard. It's like, Joe, when this series of Love Island started and Gemma's ick was boys who wear socks in shoes. It's yes. just like, what? <laughs> Pick something all men say. Oh, oh okay. Yeah. At this point, I don't know quite what happens. You have to tell me what scene happens. But I just started writing down that I would fight an army of Tories for Scout. <laughs> you, you come for her benefits and I will fight you in the street. So there's a whole, there's a whole bit about, like... Um... Chris telling Scout that he like can't get too involved with her anymore and that he needs to back off. Um, and then we see her like rejecting a phone call from her mum. I don't know. Are we supposed to go that uh, it's Scout's fault that she left because she didn't answer that call? Yeah, surely all of her mum was going to say was, I'm going. Yes. <laughs> Bye. <Yeah. laughs> I put a fiver in the lucky meter. So uh, Keeley talks to Eleanor about Tom and Eleanor says, oh, Tom, you know him. He's the type that likes a curry and a beer in front of a flat screen television. Oh, no. He doesn't doesn't like a curry and a beer in front of a CRT monitor. It has to be a flat screen TV. Wait, so he likes staying in and having modern appliances? Where do I sign (laughs) up? Yeah. Well, Keeley says this is my kind of man, so... Yeah, exactly. And then Eleanor looks at Keatley as if to say, you monstrous woman. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So Scout now is talking to her mum on the phone. She's obviously answered the next call. And then uh, she, her mum tells her to come back now. So she takes Denzel with her to like see what's going on. Um, It turns out that... my My fun bit of trivia. Of course. I own the jacket that Denzel is wearing in this scene. (laughs) I don't not, know if I don't know if he should be proudly declaring that. <laughs> not that he wore. It's a nice jacket. I I own the jacket they used to dress a fourteen-year-old boy a decade ago. <laughs> yes. 
So I've got this jacket because it's 2011, this, right? So I'd wear it around about the same time, H&M. I was just at uni, had my, had my little blue jacket, and it still persists. It still persists. Right. It's a memory to what I've lost because it doesn't quite fit how it used to fit. <laughs> I, I personally took every time I saw Denzel wearing it, despite the fact that he's a spindly child, I took it as a personal offence. <laughs> And if you've ever doubted Luke's uh, commitment to the podcast, he put that jumper on today to send me a picture in 38-degree heat. It's a jacket. <laughs> you're very keen for me to get the terminology right. Well, if you're going to correct me every time I say season. <laughs> Series. Um, so the mum has packed her bag. She's going off on some sort of holiday with Jace, her, quote, new fella. Um and then she just like goes off in the car, leaving a little bit of food or whatever, and saying, "You could just leave Liam in front of the TV. It's not even it's not even a flat screen TV." Well, exactly. It's not a curry, a beer, anything. <laughs> um, I know it's like it's supposed to be. She's a bad parent. But could you imagine like looking into your fourteen-year-old child's eyes and just being like, "Yeah, you stay here with a three-year-old. I'm going away." Yes, Luke. But this woman is a monster. She, she is a monster. I just don't believe it. I don't, I like, again, maybe it's just a privileged upbringing, but I looked at the scene and I went, I don't believe someone would do this. Yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. It's not, it, it's just pure caricature. And yeah, they're obviously just, she is a, you know, she is a cartoon. Yeah, she's an absolute cartoon. It's very, you know, we've said it before, it's very Benefit Street, which is kind of around the same time as this. Yeah. Um. So, uh, Richard is at the school being evil. Um, Karen says that this could be seen as intimidation, given that they're appealing the warning notice from, from last week. Um, Richard then makes a crack about her staff loyalty, says uh, one of her staff approached him and they've built a dossier on the school. Uh, and Karen, to be fair, immediately goes, it was Eleanor, right? <laughs> and he goes, we protect whistleblowers here. But then when she goes, it's Eleanor, he just goes... Hmm. <laughs> Interesting. Yes. It's, I can tell you only yeah. their initials. EC. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just R- Ryan Johnson presents. Uh, <laughs> Karen trying to crack this mystery. I believe it's the likeliest subse- <laughs> subject, um, suspect. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's very it's... hot, listeners. It's so warm. <laughs> Uh, you listen. You're listening to a nice little podcast. The world is burning around us. <laughs> Go buy some trees, Jesus. Then you're the one who's cutting them down. It's a sustainable. We don't get. Don't do that on me. <laughs> Suddenly turns into a talk radio <laughs> conversation. Scout and Denzel are uh, pondering what to do. And they come to the decision that they should leave Liam. Yes. But, but they don't come to the decision. They should lock him in. I <laughs> Did her mum not leave her with keys? That's the only <laughs> logic here. Because as soon as she, like, I know we saw in the next time trailer he's going to run free. But even then, it's just like, just lock him in. What damage yeah. can he do to himself? Like, he's not, like, because when he later runs away, there's a very menacing shot of an iron in the background. <laughs> so this, this house is just full of hazards. <laughs> But it's fine, he's got the outdoors. Yeah. 
Um, so while all this had been going on, there we'd seen uh, Vicky experiencing some back pain at the school and then sort of uh, double over in quite intense pain. Uh, and Ronan had decided to take her to the doctor. Um, and they're at the hospital. And um, Vicky says that she's lost her baby. Um, and Ronan, very sweetly, we love Ronan, um, is standing by her, waiting with her, helping her out. It's very, I think all the Vicky and Ronan stuff in this episode is quite well done. Yes. And there's one point as well where I think Vicky says something along the lines about how she had a miscarriage or whatever. Hmm. Uh, or like, if we got here sooner, we could have stopped it. Yes. And then Ronan was just like, that's not, that's not how it works. Yeah. Ronan is a feminist icon. <laughs> he knows about contraception. He knows he miscarriages. And you know what? I bet he even knows what foreplay is. He, he might do. He might well he do. He might do. Why did she run away with Aiden? I don't get it. She had the perfect <laughs> man there. Well, she wouldn't have run away with Aiden if she'd taken the time to remove her socks. So uh, Karen has confided in Rob about her suspicions about Eleanor. Um, he says, you know, Rich is playing mind games with you. You need to go and work out the truth. And then Karen asks Janice for all of the staff passwords for the computer system. Is that a thing? That can't be a thing. Although, to be fair, I think it was the case that the IT staff at my school had access to the staff's, like, what they'd accessed. Okay, how do you know this? Because, and I, I'll tell you why I know this, there was a staff member who got done for looking at porn on his school-issued laptop. Because <laughs> <laughs> they'd found it during, like, a routine, like, I don't know, someone had noticed it somehow. Yeah, awesome. Awesome. I know he's now a member of parliament, I believe. Yeah, probably. Probably. <laughs> so uh, Chris and Tom are there to like, quote unquote, welcome Scout and Denzel back. And then suddenly we see Scout, you know, ranting about how crap this garden is and she didn't want to be a part of it anyway. Um, and then, as, as you alluded to earlier, this is then intercut with Liam, who is watching in the night garden with some very foreboding music in the background. <laughs> During the day, that's not how the CBBC yeah. schedule works. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad we both noted that the CBBC yeah. schedule was wrong. <laughs> there's a there's a clue in the name in the night yeah. garden. Yeah, it happens right before story time. Yeah, um, and then we see him stand up and and walk off. Um, most of us would assume at this point he would walk into a locked door and have nowhere to go. But <laughs> and then go and sit back down. Yes. When um, uh, Denzel and Scout are welcomed back and they have their little kerfuffle with Tom and uh, Chris, yeah. um, I think it's, it's either Tom or he just goes, grab some compost. Yes. I, I like, I would make that my new expression. <laughs> As opposed to let's get going. Come on, grab some grab compost. Some compost. Yeah. Grab some compost. We should have known that the child was going to run free because his breakfast, Cocoa Pops. Ah, it's true. That's that's the Turn runaway child breakfast of choice. <laughs> children want to run away. <laughs> Surprised they didn't go for that as the advertising slogan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the uh, the cute little uh, chimp that they put on the on the box is actually the child catcher. <laughs> um, so back at the garden, Keely invites Tom for a drink, and he says, "Oh, great, that sounds good to me." And Eleanor in the background just goes, "Sounds good to me." <laughs> <laughs> because it's brilliantly petty i loved it yeah 
Um, so Scout then, t- then uh, she's carrying a bench with Denzel and Eleanor is telling her to put it in different places. And Scout eventually tells her to stick your bench where the sun don't shine. Um, Chris then says, well, for that, you're going to have to work through your lunch, which, of course, she doesn't want to do because she wanted to run off and see Liam. Yes. Um, I, like, I enjoy the fact that at this point, um, Chris says, you're entitled to nothing. You'll do as I tell you which is, I believe, the title of Eleanor's latest manifesto. <laughs> yes, I think it is. I think it is. She was like, oh, <laughs> a, a, friend, a friend from the same side of the aisle, I see. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Scout then goes on a rampage and trashes the garden. She doesn't really trash the garden because they don't take any of the plants out of their pots. <laughs> she basically, because they're resilient things plants, they're built that way, they all stay in their plastic cups. <laughs> Everything's just slightly dislodged. Um, so uh, Chris eventually, you know, calms her down and gets her inside, and she reveals what's going on that their mum has left uh, and that the the child is home alone. Yeah, and Chris is like, I, I swear, I swear, I've dealt with this so many times by now. <laughs> <laughs> we live, we live um, in a high leaving baby alone area. Eleanor is making some crack about Scout or whatever, and Denzel has a go at her for not understanding the, the sort of realities of what's going on. And then Eleanor calls uh, Denzel and Scout two peas in a feral pod. Just imagine, like, at some point, when you earnestly describe a child as feral, like... Not to the child's we'll call, face, certainly. Yeah. <laughs> well, like, we'll call my daughter feral, but that's when she's just, like, you know dropping things everywhere as like you know yeah. fun here she is a woman who doesn't know this child very much just deciding entirely on class you know you're a feral beast yeah yeah i mean it's also funny because your daughter is the most well-behaved child i have ever met in my life i know <laughs> um so the chalky kind of stands up for himself has a go at eleanor in front of everyone which, again, there's a lot of dirty laundry that should be aired away from children being aired in front of them in this episode. Exactly. It's just, okay, like, how does Eleanor ever get the respect back after this? Yeah. Like, when another Chalky member... has just dressed her down. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's, yeah. Another member of staff has stood up and called her appalling and a bully and said to sod off back to school. It's just, I love the fact that we had one episode where Chalky spoke to a child and now all of his teaching problems are fixed. I don't know if it's quite. I don't know if it's quite that. I like to think that it's just that being at Waterloo Road has hardened him in the same way that it's kind of softened Eleanor. Yeah, makes everyone into a into a nice little mushy, mushy coal shape. Yes, not quite a diamond. Not quite soil. (laughs) Certainly not a diamond. Um. So, uh, so Chalky's told her to go away, and then he like rallies the troops that they're going to get this garden sorted um meanwhile chris and scout have arrived at the flat they found that the door is open and liam is gone okay can you let's see how well we know each other do you know what i'm going to say about liam in this scene no no it's that he gets further in less time (laughs) than bex and hodge got (laughs) he was at least out of eye shot yeah, a, a, a child with little legs just on, on you know, on God's good humour managed to get further away than a hardened criminal. And the police couldn't find him. 
there's some very funny searching shots where they clearly just had someone go right look just look around and at one point chris goes up to a bin that's pressed up against the wall and just goes just tries to look behind it well to be fair they didn't have the advantage that rachel mason had there was no trail of cocoa pops no there's just a weird clown teddy (laughs) really dark it's like she could leave her children behind all she wants the true red flag for me was that she bought her child that teddy bear well, it's because she spent all her money on flat screen TVs. She didn't even have a flat screen TV. It's tiny. <laughs> um, See, that's so how Tom- I know the show is unrealistic. The, the, the family <laughs> didn't have flat screen TVs or Sky television. Oh. <laughs> Tom finds Eleanor. Uh, she's uh, upset about what's happened. Uh, he says, you know, something isn't right with you. And she says, oh, I don't fit in at Waterloo Road and with these kids. Uh, I do care about this school and the children. And I'm I'm trying to be better. All of this, Tom, I'm starting to think he must have mad moves in the bedroom. <laughs> Just socks on, no talking. <laughs> <laughs> it's the Clarkson way. Afterwards, oh right, we were trying to get started. I would have called the curry place, put the beer, put the beer on ice. Yes. Yeah. And match the days on in 25 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Wait till you see how flat this TV screen is. Yeah. I'm about to rock your world. <laughs> I don't know why I feel this, but I feel really strongly that Tom Clarkson is an advocate for the curved flat screen TV. Yes, because no one quite knows what it does. Yes. <laughs> but it, it, it's very it's very much a man stands up next to his TV. <laughs> yes. yes, look at this. Yes, absolutely. That's exactly what it is. Um so as you said, we've got the searching shots, uh, Chris and Scout running around this estate, um, big time Ken Loach filter. Um, and then Liam is uh, about to wander out into traffic. Um, and then... He managed to walk all the way to Oxford Street from how busy this <laughs> residential street in the middle of the day is. <laughs> The car's just zooming past. <laughs> yeah. So it's a, it's a residential street where the speed limit is 75 miles an hour. Yeah. It's a little yeah. Rochdale local experiment. Lots of people cutting through. <laughs> um, but Scout rescues him just before we can wander into traffic. Back at the garden, Eleanor comes out, says sorry to all of the, the kids for, for her actions. And then Tom says, why are we all stood here like cities back four? We're into injury time. Tom Clarkson is back. <laughs> he, likes, he likes football, city, beer, flat yeah. screen, yeah. and inappropriate sexual relationships with work colleagues. That's the one. That's Tom Clarkson. That's Clarkson in, a we know. <laughs> yeah, in a world of character development, who needs it? Who <laughs> needs it? Um, back at the school, Karen is looking through Eleanor's emails. There are some brilliant subject lines in here. Oh, you paused. Of course I paused. One of them simply says, chaos yet again. (laughs) Another says, in all caps, something you might like to hear. (laughs) I feel like that's the wrong energy. Yeah, it's it turns out that she isn't grassing up the school to the uh, to the LA. It turns out she's just like uh, doing email spam selling in her spare time. Yes. Exactly. One just says pregnancies are rife. The other one says drugs in school premises. We saw her tell him about that in person. Why is she emailing about it? 
maybe he needed a record on paper. <laughs> but I have two questions. Why does Eleanor, uh, well, I could say a smart woman, but she's a conservative counsellor. <laughs> why, why does Eleanor, a person with a professional job, um, do this through her work email? Yeah, very strange. Yeah. Like if you wanted to leave a paper trail, you might as well, yeah. you might, she might as well have been throwing Cocoa Pops for yeah. them to come find her. She could have set um, up like Snitch McGee at Hotmail.com and used that one. And also, like, I'm not entirely certain anything that she sent was incorrect. No, it, no it it's, not, it's, it's not about it. It's not about it being incorrect, is it? Yeah, yeah. But it's like, it's one of those things where this, at some point, because like, in the next episode, they get dragged for hiding stuff from the local authority. Yeah. At this point, if if this is meant to be believed, if Eleanor hadn't been there, they would have hidden drugs, teen pregnancies, chaos. What else has happened this series? You know, a teacher assaulting a student, like all of that would have just been jumped yeah. over. <laughs> yeah, again, you know, you don't you don't like a snitch, but I also would like to know that the local authority is being informed about what's happening at my child's school <laughs> if it has turned into you know if if there is quote queen of chaos, the damned. chaos yet again <laughs> um so at the community center they finished this garden it, I, I was expecting a bit more wow from the garden it's just a couple of flower beds <laughs> but it's just a community garden isn't it it's not flipping ground force um, so Eleanor and Chalky's team win, obviously. Um, then Tom's talking to Keely, uh, says, oh, you know, I don't think I can go for that drink with you. To which Keely tells Eleanor, go get that man. Otherwise, next time I see him, I'll be having him. Keely is incredibly perceptive with the woman <laughs> who's just been a total arse all day. <laughs> yeah, she really is. Really yeah, what, what's, what's the source of all this frustration? Oh, it's it's clear. It's this <laughs> unspoken chemistry between you and that man. Yes. So we're back with Vicky and Ronan. They're having a, an emotional conversation. Vicky is saying, oh, you know, I'd even thought about names for the baby. I'd bought some clothes. Um, and she sort of relates it to like her her background and going, oh, the, the, you know, this baby would have been something that was something that was mine and something I could have held on to. Um, and she says she feels she's being punished for what uh, she and Aiden did. Yeah, a lot of things, you know, the character development we might have gotten from Vicky in the weeks where she decided to keep the baby yes. is reserved for after she loses it, which is fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Cher. Yeah. Um, you had a good point there and you waited till the wrong time to share it. Yeah. Um, she also, at some point she just goes, you know, we were engaged. I can't believe those two still think that's real. <laughs> It's 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 proper Jack Rimmer. Why did you get married to him? Energy, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Conversations uh, you shouldn't have as 16-year-olds. Yeah, exactly. It's just a little bit nuts. <laughs> Unless, of course, your Spanish teacher is taking you away to Gretna Green to get married, in which case, love's young dream. Oh. Um, so during this conversation, there's a bit where Vicky goes, what, you don't believe that things happen for a reason? And Ronan, finally responds to that ridiculous platitude with what it deserves. She goes, no, of course I don't. <laughs> it's very, um, well, I follow a Twitter account, which is just like MSN names. 
<laughs> but everything yes. happens for a reason with like hearts and the squiggles. It's all there. Do you not believe everything happens for a reason then, Tom? Is this your big no. swing, this this series? After coming hard for J.D. Salinger, you know, coming hard for the phrase, everything happens for a reason. No, of course I don't believe that. It's ridiculous. Lots of things happen right. for no reason. Lots of lots of things happen to people who don't deserve them, for good and for bad. So uh, Scout and Chris and Liam are back at her house. She's worrying about the social services splitting up her and Liam. Um, and then doomily, the electricity goes off while they're all in the flat. So we've got uh, Vicky then apologising to Ronan. She says how much she loves him and thanks him for being there for her. And he says, I love you too. And they say, maybe we can start again. And I think this is lovely. I have zero notes. <laughs> have some self-respect, lad. Come on. <laughs> like, if you take it literally, you're engaged and living together, and she slept and got impregnated by your close friend. <laughs> oh. But he loves her, Luke. He loves her. She loves him too. Yeah, I know, but I I like my my running shoes. I, I'd toss them away if they if they got impregnated by somebody else. <laughs> she wore the crappy dress. That's all you needed to know. So Karen is then calling a team meeting. Um, Grantley says, "Oh, you know, if if she's calling this, it's either a celebration or a wake when we go to the pub after." Um, Karen reveals that the council inspectors want to come in for themselves tomorrow because we've not got a week between episodes now. Yeah, doesn't stop some of the characters acting like they've had a week between episodes, no, does it? It doesn't, it doesn't. Um, so yeah, the inspectors are coming in tomorrow. Um, and Karen then says, but I have to tell you, there's a spy in our midst. <laughs> and then she says, I won't say who it is. I would hope they have the courage to own up. And then she stares daggers at Eleanor. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It's like a total giveaway. <laughs> like we see like the camera like panning around the room and cutting to all the different staff. And the whole time Karen's glare is unbroken on Eleanor. <laughs> yeah. Even then, you'd have to waterboard this out of me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, eventually, yeah, she admits it. She says, oh, I know it's too late, but I'm really sorry I did it. Uh, if I could take it back, I would. But then all the staff turn their back on her and, and leave. Yeah, I still don't really get why she did it. Maybe I'm just forgetful. Well, it was just Richard basically promised her like a plum job at a nice school if she did this for him. Yeah. And again, we haven't really been given a full insight into Richard's phenomenal cosmic powers that he no, has we, hiring, we hiring power at another school where <laughs> the plum jobs are what well, the head teacher of a school is decided by the governors. Yeah. And then all the other senior members of staff are decided by the head teacher. So I don't really know what Richard was planning on doing. No. So Chris has told Scout that he will take in her and Liam. And all I've written in big letters is, why don't you tell Karen, you moron? (laughs) There's lots of people you can tell, but if you told Karen, a lot of this would not have happened. (laughs) Yeah. Chris. But then again, he also knows that Karen would say no because Karen is not into the spirit of this school. She doesn't understand it. <laughs> She's not changing Waterloo Road. Rather, she is and she yeah. shouldn't be. Yeah, yeah. Like, if you know, if he said this to Tom, Tom would have been like, oh, I've got six spare rooms from one, <laughs> yeah. for runaway children in my house. She can have one of those. But, um, yeah, I just, you know, of all the things I'd hide from Karen, 
if I was Chris, it would not be that I had one of our students staying around the house. Yeah. Yeah. The, the... And the thing is, though, when this comes out, nobody brings that up. No, it's it's incredible. It's it's so bizarre. It's like this storyline is happening in a universe where Chris didn't do something far more sackable. <laughs> <laughs> Chris says to Scout, you know, this is only for one night, you two staying here, uh, then I'm phoning social services. His fridge is exclusively beer. Yeah. Well, you have to you have to, yeah, to cope with this place. But then again, you've seen my fridge. Replace that with Coke Zero. Is that not the truth? <laughs> so, Tom Clarkson's fridge, of course, slightly different. Beer and curry. <laughs> takeaway curries. Yeah. When I get a takeaway curry, I order pots of the sauce so I can keep it in the freezer. So when I make a curry at home, I can use the takeaway sauce in that. So again, maybe I am just, I'm the perfect amalgamation of Chris Mead and Tom Clarkson. <laughs> maybe you are. <laughs> Um, so Eleanor is talking to Karen. She says, oh, I thought I was doing the right thing initially. No, she didn't. Um, she says it became more and more about Karen personally over time, um, which I think is fair. Yeah, um, but we never understand why that man dislikes Karen so much. No, it's just because Karen is good and he is evil. That's it. But Karen isn't good. That I can't get into this storyline because I don't think Karen's a good head teacher. But that's what the show is telling us. I don't necessarily agree, but that's the point of view of the show. Yeah. And at some point, Karen this actually takes sides of a man like that. It's like, what? He's a slightly slimy local <laughs> bureaucrat. No, he's not. He's a villain. He's, <laughs> he's not smuggling heroin for the mob. <laughs> that we you know knew, of. You knew, we, you knew what he was. Yes. A, a man a from the, the council. council. Yeah. <laughs> oh no. But Karen, yeah, uh, Karen didn't get into her head teachership for local accountability of any kind. <laughs> um, but so Eleanor says to Karen, Oh, I know I've let you down. And Karen says, if you really are sorry, prove it. So we then see Karen go and meet evil Richard at the council house. Um she grills him on the fact he intimidated her staff to help bring her down. Um, she says, actually, I'm looking forward to your inspection and I'm, I'm keeping Eleanor on the staff. To which Richard says, <laughs> your gratty little school will fail tomorrow. I'll blacken your name so much. You will be able to get a job carrying a lollipop. Or... I think that's how he delivered it. <laughs> Again, it's just that I don't know why this local official who's in charge of schools in the area thinks it reflects well on him to have a school closed down. No. It's like we've covered, like, you know, I covered a specific part of councils. You covered a specific part. You, know, you covered councils more generally. In a circumstance where there's this gross failure that what sort of happened, the local, the, the official always goes yes it's, it's vanishingly rare that something like this happens and the person the council responsible isn't torched so yeah. he's outwardly trying to do something you know 1500 children go to the school that's 1500 families who would just all be like well you whatever you found you allowed to happen yeah because that's how people view it yeah 
when when a school closes down, there's not a party at the local council. They're like, we got one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Give me like you know, give me the twirling malevolence of a Stuart Hordley any day of the week. Oh yes, we need Stuart Hordley. Well, I was I was about to say R.I.P., but we don't know if he died. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> to this day, his fate remains uncertain. <laughs> If he comes back in the new series, <laughs> it's just for us. <laughs> well, we, if he comes back, then we'll know the new writers of podcast listeners. <laughs> yes. No, here's here's how we'll know their podcast listeners. Okay, so they'll they'll do the establishing shot day one. Someone walks in, it'll be the new head teacher or whatever, or, or, or a newly qualified teacher. They'll look up at the school slogan and go. Everything, nothing from. (laughs) (laughs) Or when Dante walks in, they go, didn't you kill a child? (laughs) (laughs) He just turns the camera and winks. (laughs) That's for you, Tom and Luke. That's for you. (laughs) Um, So Karen says to Richard, you know, up close, you're really rather pathetic. And then high on the power of that interaction... She goes right over to Rob's. <laughs> yeah, so she goes over and Rob's like, Rob, Rob playing coy. Yeah, he is. He's like, like he doesn't know what's happening. It's like, are you, do, you want a, do you want a drink? She's like, I'm not thirsty. She's not thirsty, Rob. She's hungry. Uh, but yes, yeah, so, so uh, Karen and Rob uh, kiss and then it cuts to Chris, who is quietly sort of brooding while um, Scout and Liam are going to sleep. And that is where the episode ends. Fantastic. I'm glad. <laughs> it is definitely an episode of Waterloo Road. It is what can be described loosely as an episode of television. I think it was I, okay. I watched it on a flat screen TV. <laughs> like a scumbag. <laughs> <laughs> or like a prince, depending <laughs> on which which politic... Uh, Eleanor wants to embody that day. Um, um, next time trailer, Chris talk, you know, wanting to phone social services, then Scout and Liam going AWOL, and there's a bit at a station with an envelope of money. Um, Tracy Ann Oberman from uh, I want to say EastEnders and various other British things. things, yeah, various British things. She's um, always wearing that jacket. <laughs> She does often she, seem to be wearing that jacket. Because she's in It's a Sin as like an agent. Yes. And she is wearing that. I just feel like she's always wearing that yeah. jacket. Maybe it's she was also in. She was also in either Doctor Who or Torchwood or both. Wearing that jacket? I, I think she basically was. <laughs> Something right, new, pod, if, new podcast that jacket, coming this if, fall. <laughs> Tra- Tracy Ann Overman's jacket. <laughs> Yeah. If not that jacket, it was a jacket of similar vibe. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's also she's Karen... walked into costume day one. <laughs> Put it all aside. I've got this. <laughs> there's also uh, Karen being suspended and a good old fashioned Waterloo Roadie rooftop protest. Yes, not enough. Not enough of these. <laughs> I, I'm glad they don't save any suspense for next week's episode um, by telling us the outcome of the inspection, what happens in response to it, how far Scout gets, um, 
it, it was. Yeah, it, it would be awful like, if they had. It would be awful if they had no suspense going into their mid-series finale, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. I would say the best thing about Lost was at the start of series six, they gave you the final ten minutes of the end of series six. <laughs> but yes, that's where we are. Um, I not a bad episode, I don't think. Uh, we've had we've had a couple we've had a couple of rough ones recently. I think this one is fine. Yeah, it's it's fine. Um, do you have any strong feelings on a play out song? It was quite slim I, pickings. I'm going to say not fair by Lily Allen. <laughs> there it is. Um, it won't be that. There's a song that plays over Chris at the end called "I Think I Made You Smile," which is quite nice, and I will probably use that. Or play not fair by Lily Allen. <laughs>